Hey everybody, this is Steph. We're making some changes again with all of the Geopets Podcast Network podcasts. We are recombining them into just, just, into the Geopets Podcast yet again. And we are switching platforms to do so. This is going to take a few weeks to do, but I've got some new episodes that'll come out as soon as that's over. Some stuff about podcasting, some stuff about language and... um, I think I even have a new coffee one. So um, yeah, hang tight. And uh, more importantly, please follow me on the socials, either at Steph Fuccio on Twitter or Instagram or at, at Geopets Podcasts or Geopets. You'll notice the logo will match. Um, it's been a while, so I've actually fallen off of a lot of the social medias because I thought that the podcast was over, but there's some new developments and some new projects and some new people I really want you to be involved with and to, you know, reconnect. I want to reconnect with you. So happy holidays, no matter what you celebrate this time of year. And know that in 2022, we'll be coming back with a vengeance. Oh, that sounds, that sounds bad. We'll be coming back with a delight. There, that's much better. All right, let's do that one. Okay. Bye. Ow, that's weird. Because when people were right around me IRL is when I felt the most pressure to engage with them online. I guess the distance does some good because I I really don't feel the pressure at all. I pretty much do what I want to do in those spaces. Hey, folks, welcome to the Virtual Expats show on the Geopets podcast. We have a turn of events today and Chris Osborne from Play Comics podcast is going to be interviewing me with my own questions and possibly something else. So without further ado, Chris, do you want to introduce yourself before we start with the investigation, investigation, interrogation, whatever it's going to turn into? Hey, I'm Chris from Play Comics, like Steph said. Um, It's a show where I look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. I also grew up a military kid who had the unfortunate circumstances to always live in the U.S. Oh, I was going to say, oh, where did you live? Where did you Wow. Did you guys move around the U.S.? It was mostly Southeast. That's very cool. I did not know that fun fact. Thank you for sharing that. I think I have to stop asking questions. I know, because, all right, so if anybody doesn't know Steph, how about you go ahead and briefly introduce yourself? No! Oh, gosh, this could take 10 minutes. I am the worst self-introduction. I actually started to self-introduce myself by saying I'm really bad at self-introducing. Um, yeah, hi, everybody. I am um, I was born to Italian immigrant parents, grew up on the East Coast of the U.S., then moved to, the, to California, and it's the ripe old age of 29 decided I needed to live overseas because I couldn't find a company to hire me and live overseas, which is where I wanted to be. So I started to teach English abroad. Fast forward a gazillion years, I've lived in a few different countries intentionally, not because I couldn't stay in one place, but because I wanted to live in different countries. Yeah. And I'm currently living in Shanghai, China and with a day job and with Emily working half time and lots of time to do podcasting stuff, which is where my uh, serious joy comes from. So seeing as how you are in China away from everybody mm-hmm. and speaking English right now, I have to assume you communicate a lot with people over the internet. It's funny you say that. I, I do communicate with people over the internet and I have ever since the internet has been readily accessible, but I'm not 
away from everybody because I'm not in the U.S. I've lived overseas a while, since 2003. So for me, everybody's away because they're in different parts of the world. But yeah, I'm a heavy, heavy, heavy user of fill in the blank, everything. <laughs> so what social media do you use now compared to like what you used growing up? Well, I didn't have the internet until what my second or my last year or almost last year of university. So I didn't have the internet growing up. I had a typewriter. (laughs) I am that old. So what I'm using now is primarily, I use WeChat, which is like the biggest uh, social media app in China. And then I use like Twitter, Instagram, and most recently Facebook, which I was off for like 10 or 12 years. What else do I use? Hold on. I think I might need to get my phone out. (laughs) Oh, I've started to use WhatsApp as well because there's a fair amount of Europeans that use it. So it's been easier to, to communicate with guests who are from that area. Oh, and LinkedIn because I'm starting to look for work again. So I'm on LinkedIn making connections and pretending to be a responsible adult. I pretending to be a responsible adult that is finding one job before leaving another job. <laughs> so yeah, I think those are the biggest ones ones that I use on a regular basis. Do you feel like you can even really speak to what Americans use since you kind of didn't grow up with it like I did? Oh, pulling the millennial card, are you? <laughs> yep. Um, I don't actually pretend to speak about what Americans use, especially younger Americans, which I am clearly not. Each one of these episodes is a, an expat's story, like their story of what they used and how it changed or didn't change, which happened recently during an interview <laughs> when, when they moved overseas. Um, some people vary a lot in what changes and some people don't. Like a gentleman that the, at the end of August, there, Drew Pels is the gentleman on the virtual expat show whose episode is coming out and his online activities didn't really change a lot when he moved to to China versus from from Los Angeles except for he added WeChat but didn't use it for most things that people use it for like he only used it for communication but for the vast majority of people it's also used as a payment system as like an ordering system for food as like uh, it's got a feature very similar to like a timeline in Facebook that where you can post things to everybody, not just one person. It has like a million different features and he doesn't use it for any of that. He just uses it for the communication, but most of his social media stayed the same. I moved for the first time overseas in 2003, really when there wasn't that much online, but I moved to Taiwan, which had one of the highest uh, internet speeds in the world. So I was just web website hopping like really quickly. <laughs> I think I learned to speed read while I was there just to keep up with the windows that I had open. <laughs> so, I mean, what kind of websites did you look at back then, especially compared to what you can look at now for, how can I say this nicely, um, a very different cultural situation? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, back then, I was a travel junkie. I wanted to go everywhere. I wanted to see everything. I wanted to spend most of my time on a plane getting to places I had only dreamed about growing up. So I spent the vast majority of my time 
reading and writing travel stuff and and trying to connect with as many people who were going to the place I wanted to go to or who had been to or those kinds of things. So I'd say communication stuff with travel, uh, blog posts with travel, magazines, newspapers, anything related to travel is where I was at. Now I am worn out, exhausted, and want to be in one place. So I'm more so looking at playing like jobs to be in one place that has everything I want. <laughs> and as far as the the firewall that exists where I am, it goes up and down, it gets more restrictive and it doesn't get more restrictive and it it varies. And so I am actually other than a few things that have gotten really challenging to to stream online, I generally have access to everything just with a little more money and a little more effort and a little more patience. So it's it's not as restrictive as it seems, but it is a bit challenging and it will probably get harder before it gets easier again because like most of the countries in the world right now, this place is going through an isolationist mode, a nationalist mode, and it's it's getting a little more challenging to want to be an international soul. Not just for me, for people who live here also and have lived overseas and know what they want that it isn't just from here. So yeah, it's a bit challenging. It was definitely um, easier in a lot of other places to access all this stuff. But you know, there's tools available. I buy them. <laughs> I use them readily. <laughs> Bought the tools instead of just magically gotten them. Yeah, the free ones don't work very well. So I, I pay. I do yearly subscriptions. I download them on every device. <laughs> I am prepared. There was a time period the first year back in 2017 where I had about three different VPNs on my phone at one point because I was testing out different ones and they were at different free periods of their service. So it wasn't actually expensive. <laughs> And I was like, well, this person said Pendapel is good. Well, this person said Astral is good. Well, VP, well, ExpressVPN seems pretty good. Let's try that one. And so I had like different ones. So when one wasn't working very well or wouldn't turn on, I would go to the next one. And so I had almost half of my home screen was, was VPNs just to access the world. Because for me, it's not about uh, having just stuff from my home country. It's about having access to stuff from everywhere or anywhere. Yeah, because the thing that kind of surprises me to hear about is what's not available in the sense, not, I mean, you know, there's always the super obvious stuff that you're not going to be able to see, but then all the strange little things that people just couldn't find. What everyday things have you missed? Well, when I was learning Chinese the first year, there was a really good, it's called Sensible Chinese. It's by a foreigner. It's not by a local, but I guess maybe because it's a .com and not a .cn site, it got blocked while I was studying. Like it was fine. It was easy to use without the VPN before, but sometime in the course of the of the um the class that I signed up for it got blocked so I had to start turning my VPN on it I'm like but I'm trying to learn the language that's here so I can communicate with you <laughs> but I can't access that so that that part was very strange sometimes it seems a bit random and what gets blocked and what doesn't also my podbean my uh, podcasting host for the geopaths podcast also got blocked the first year and I signed a yearly contract and I was like oh I guess we're not going to have anybody without a device that's going to listen to us. So there's there's that. Although I did hear on, um, I don't know if you listened to Waves of Tech, uh, the podcast, they were talking about because of security breaches and stuff that a lot of Americans are now using VPNs just to, I guess, minimize the um, 
security risks of being online and having their stuff poached or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely something I've seen popping up more and more. That would be interesting. I just got an affiliate link for my VPN, so maybe I can actually start pressing that now because half my audience is Americans. And I was like, well, they don't need VPNs. I can't really advertise that that much, but I don't know. Anyway, sorry. I'm in a monetization mode. Did I answer the question? I'm a horrible guest. <laughs> yes, you did. You should try being on the guest side more often. It's kind of fun. It's it's a little hard. <laughs> so where do you find people to talk to online? Instagram, Twitter, and in groups on Facebook. I actively don't put my Facebook uh, information anywhere else. And I, if somebody asks to follow me, I will... I will or not follow. I don't think the terminology is even follow. If somebody friends me on Facebook, I will not reject them, but I will unfollow them because I'm I'm 99.9% there for the groups. I don't like the individual posts on Facebook, period, from anybody. I don't know. It's just it's 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 a lot of stuff that feels like noise to me. Whereas Twitter feels like brain scratchy and Instagram is my brain dump of visualness. Because I love the videos and the pictures and those kinds of things. And I'll start conversations from those two kinds of things and then bring them offline into either an interview on on Zoom or, or, or in video. And I think I just said that twice. Uh, I'll either bring them into a conversation in, in a different platform that allows for less public conversation or or I'll just keep liking and commenting little bits on their stuff throughout in those social medias, but mostly, mostly Twitter and Instagram, I think. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you feel like you have to talk to your fans on any of these platforms more than any other, or feel like you should be making a better effort to kind of even it out more or anything? My fans are very quiet. I think I've heard that that's kind of a podcasting thing in general. Although I don't think that's true for yours, right? You guys have serious engagement going on. Yeah. I mean, I also get to post comic pictures every day, so that helps. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, I think it takes a special kind of person to list, listen to a 90-minute interview weekly. Um, so <laughs> they're, um, they're quiet. I, occasionally, I'll get a long email, a long, passionate, like, yeah, kind of email from someone. Uh, but mostly I get like likes and follows and retweets and that kinds of thing. Um, but there isn't a lot of banter necessarily back and forth until they, you know, express interest on in being a guest or something like that happens. Like it's either feast or famine. There either isn't a lot of feedback individually or whatnot from them or there's it's a lot of contact and then a lot of times it'll turn into longer conversations and they'll they might turn into a guest and they might not but then it becomes very frequent uh contact online so would you say that you know kind of that little friendship developing is what you want people to get out of your posts <sighs> have i thought about that what do I want people to? That's a damn good question, Mister. <laughs> what do I want people to get out of my posts? I guess it depends on the type of post. There we go. So when I'm posting about the podcast, I want them to go and listen to the damn things, 
and then tell me what they think. Tell me if they have similar experiences, different experiences, that kind of thing. I want them to engage with the content. If I'm posting about me or where I am or what I'm doing in China, part of me wants to know where they are geographically and what their experiences are like. So I guess it's I want them, oh, here we go. I want them to engage with my experience. Ha ha. And if I'm posting about somebody else's stuff, I want them to go talk to them and tell them how awesome it is. Because there's so much amazing, so many amazing things that people are doing that a lot of times I'm posting about other people's stuff and I want them to get the attention because it's amazing. So speaking of other people's stuff, I hear that there's this guy that goes around on a certain day of the week and tells people how great they are. <laughs> Have you tried to spread that over onto your side of the world? I uh, I haven't spread it over to this side of the world, but I've spread it globally. I did. It is in my Google Calendar, and I have done it a few times, but my disorganized self forgets who I send it to. And just for the listener's sake, uh, Chris is being modest. He's the one that does this, and it's awesome. <laughs> and when you when you actually did it to me, you left it on a, as a voice message, but that really resonates with me. Do you do that all the time? Is it always voice or is it? I'd say like 95% of the time. It's really effective. It made my day. I didn't even realize by the end of the day why I was in such a good mood. And I had to think about it. And I was like, what happened today? It didn't feel like a different day. Oh, I got that message. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, to answer your question, I, I have done it. I do do it a lot of times on my Monday. But I, I don't want to do it to the same person too often. And I don't know how to organize that where it doesn't feel like I'm organizing another spreadsheet. So how do you, how do you remember? Who you do it to? I you kind of go with the spidey senses, and you know, I <laughs> just I feel like this person did it today. And don't worry about it too much if yeah. I do it too often. Pretty much, yeah. if I can't remember the last time I left them a message, it's fair game. And honestly, I don't think that there could be. A point of getting it too much so i don't know why i'm worried about the organization side of it I and mean, maybe if it's somebody you're just kind of casually friends with online yeah that's about it yeah i do tend to do it more like you did like in a private message than than in a public post i think that that's probably something that's changed over the years for me especially since since the beginning of the beginning of my social media using in the u.s is i did i used to do a lot more stuff in public online where everybody could see it because I was in a lot more forums and a lot more places that were was visible to everybody. And I'm, I'm starting to do a bunch more one-to-one in private messages and dragging people over to emails more and that kind of thing where I'm like, the whole world doesn't need to see all of this conversation. The contact might be made online, but then it's it's pulled in, a, in an open online space, but then it's pulled over into a more private space which could speak to my age or <laughs> something. <laughs> so what kind of things have you just decided that you're not going to post online at all? Mm, that probably falls into a small amount of buckets. That's an odd phrase. So one would be genuinely speaking Chinese politics, not because I can't or I'm censored to that point, because you can have an opinion as long as you don't gather people together to have it together in a public space. But I feel like there are people that do that in a much more informed, less 
annoyed way that I feel like it's better if they are the ones to have people's ears and they are the ones to educate people about what's going on here. And the second would be anything crude or not even crude, but crude, perverted, uh, sexually funny, that kind of thing is generally not, I'm not a prude, but I really don't, it doesn't really fit what I'm trying to do in this world. So I kind of keep that stuff private when it comes up in, in IRL or what have you. And the other thing is, is, uh, really private personal stuff, stuff with my husband, stuff with my family. I share a lot of pictures and videos where he's accidentally, where my husband's accidentally in it. And I'll say like, he said this or what have you, but I won't, I don't want to share other people's stories other than guests that come on. I don't want to share stories that happen to other people. I feel like that's theirs to tell. So for me, I'll share mine and I'll ask people about theirs, but I don't want to volunteer somebody else's intimate details or their stories because I feel like that's their stuff. So it's probably mostly that stuff. Everything else is very fair game. I wish I could tell you everything is okay. I wish I could comfort you and tell you there is nothing to fear. But I can't. And if you are really being honest, that's not what you want. You want to be scared. You like being scared. So, join me, your elusive host, and I will tell you why you're haunted by so many monsters. Scary Stories is a bi-weekly podcast about the psychology of fear and the stories we use to explain it. So, take a seat and let me tell you about this thing that happened to a friend of a friend of a friend. Find it everywhere you listen to podcasts. A few quick notes. The Geopets podcast newsletter comes out every Tuesday. Go to stephfuccio.com to get that and also get on the mailing list to get it every week in your email inbox. If listening to podcasts makes you think about making your own, I can help you. You can get a free month of Podbean hosting service by using this promo code, podbean.com forward slash virtual expats. Don't forget the S. If you're an expat, I'm also doing some beginning expat podcasting workshops online. Go to stefuccio.com for more information. If you don't want to record your voice but need a voice, you can buy mine. (laughs) I'm doing some voiceover work at voices.com forward slash actors forward slash Steph Puccio. What I'm not charging for are the promo spots in these episodes. These are offered to content creators and people who have announcements about information, content, and whatnot that is related to what we're talking about in these episodes. If you have any comments or questions while you're listening to this episode, please do feel free to reach out to me. My handle is Steph Fuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O, literally everywhere online. So have you ever had to go back and delete every, anything? Oh, God, often. More so in the beginning than now. And um, when I first moved abroad in 2003... Oh, I um I had a blog called Me in Taiwan and 
I didn't really have a filter. Um, and I posted everything. And unfortunately, I wasn't in a small town, but it had a small town mentality, especially in the small expat community. And I wasn't really clicking with a lot of people locally or or locals or foreigner wise. And I was kind of having a hard adjustment. And so I found myself writing more by myself in my, with my high speed internet than I was socializing. And I kind of overshared and I got known as the girl with the blog. And so when people would meet me, once they would realize I was that person, they would find out that they needed to go to the bathroom and they would just like leave talking to me immediately because they were scared that they would end up in the blog. And I was like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't. I mean, I didn't, I never put anybody's names, but I would talk about things that happened. And again, not in detail because I wasn't sharing their, their stories, their experiences, their quotes or anything. But I did share things that probably didn't need to be shared. <laughs> So are we talking to the level like I would never be able to figure out who it was? It was a very small expat community. So yeah, it was probably, especially because I mentioned names of places. Like I didn't mention names of people, but I did write every day. So the timeline was obvious and the place was stated. So it was pretty stupid. I didn't, yeah. I didn't quite understand discretion yet because <laughs> it was it was so freeing to not, have a barrier to having people read stuff and some of the people reading it who were not in that location we kept emailing me and saying oh my gosh this is so interesting I didn't know about this I didn't know about that it's interesting how you know being an expat is overseas blah blah blah, blah. and I just got a little bit drunk on the attention and I just went okay I'm just gonna be like totally telling everything no it was bad. So do you think schools especially should make an effort to teach people how to act online? Yeah, I've been thinking about this clearly. Um, I don't know. Should it be schools? Should it be parents? Should it be both? Should there be something in the programs themselves that ask people, hey, are you sure you want to post this? I don't know. I feel like there needs to be especially for people starting to use social media and stuff, I feel like there needs to be another layer of something. It's almost too easy. Yeah, it's almost too easy to do stuff online. What do you think? I mean, somebody needs to. It's just a matter of where. Yeah. Because I feel like when you're younger, you haven't had the experience of something coming back and biting you in the ass. So you just don't really realize how long stuff sticks around. Like there's a few pictures in on Facebook that I would rather not have anybody see. Oh. They're not that bad. Oh. But it's just the fact that somebody else put them up and I have no way to get them down. Yeah. See, that was the other thing. My first round of Facebook there was there was a lot of pet pictures, baby pictures, food pictures, and pictures of me that I didn't approve, but people tagged me. And I mean, they weren't discriminating. I was pretty old when Facebook came out, but I didn't necessarily like them. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and so it was just there was a lot less control when when Facebook first came out, and I just I didn't like how much people could put about me into the world without me knowing it unless I checked like 
Facebook every, you know, two minutes. Which we couldn't do because you had to do it on your computer like a caveman. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's true. Oh my gosh, that's so true. I didn't get my first smartphone until 2012. Pretty late, I think. I'm trying to think about when I got mine. It's probably pretty close. Really? Oh, I thought I was late to the game. Hurrah. Yeah, but I think there needs to be some sort of some sort of conscious thought about what we're doing online. Like, oh, I just posted it. Man, oh man, this question really sets me up to to plug the Geopats newsletter. Do, do, do. Um, now it's going to be in the serious past, but in newsletter Geopats newsletter number five, I actually highlighted an episode of 40 Thrive podcast where Jackie interviews Elsie Escobar of She Podcasts. And they talk about, you know, community building and all that kind of good stuff and podcasting. But what they really spend a huge chunk of time on is talking about being a good digital citizen and what that entails and when to respond to people that are being jerks, when to walk away, when to post things, when to think about things, how to deal with groups of people online and that kind of thing. And it's a really, really interesting listen because I don't, I don't think enough people are thinking about what they're doing online. Even if they're not doing anything harmful to them or anybody else, I, I think we're moving too fast. And I hate to say that because I am a spastic person that moves very quickly, but uh, I think we, I think, I think we're not thinking enough about what we're doing. So, have you ever felt pressure to, you know, be friend or follow or whatever the nomenclature is for the particular platform? Mm. Somebody who decided to do that same thing to you. Okay, because I left the U.S. for the first time in t- for a long time in two thousand three, but then I went back for a master's degree. 2012 and then or 2010 and then I went back to start and not finish a PhD oh, five years ago so I've, I've done little stints back in the U.S. since then when I'm in the U.S. I feel the pressure a little bit more um, especially uh, in those more enclosed academic groups I felt like it could have ramifications in my quote-unquote academic career if I wasn't as responsive socially online, which felt really wrong to me. But, um, and not necessarily as an, by the individual themselves, but more like the collective, the collective. That's actually the end of the sentence. (laughs) Oh, that's weird. Because when people were right around me IRL is when I felt the most pressure to engage with them online but when i'm away i'm very uh i guess the distance does some good because i i really don't feel the pressure at all i pretty much do what i want to do in those spaces and like i said i'll i'll accept someone on facebook but i generally don't follow individuals i am there for the groups i'll respond to like messages and stuff but i don't really follow anybody's feed the distance thing is definitely something i understand because it seems like with podcasters especially um you know they'll find one person they want to be friends with on facebook and then they go follow every single podcast friend that person has it's like hey i don't know who you are i've seen you in a group i mean you know 
I'll definitely let you into my group. I'll let you into whatever group I see you wanting to go into. I don't necessarily want or feel the need to have you see everything that I decide to post. Wow. That sounds a little stalkerish. Does that happen a lot? I never thought of it as stalkerish for one thing, Mm. but it's just like they go on the Facebook group, they see somebody post a few things and, oh, hey, go be that person's friend. Go be that person's friend. And I mean, I'm I'm definitely not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. Because there are definitely some people that I've become friends with and that's one of the first interactions we had. Yeah. But it just seems weird that, that the seems like the only thing that they know about you is you have a podcast. Oh, okay. Huh. I'm only now slowing down to the point of looking at where people come from when they send me a, or when they start following me on whatever platform. Um, I wonder if I've gotten any of that. Like Twitter, I don't care. Yeah. You know, if you're interesting, I'll follow you back. And if you're not, I won't. Yeah. And I tend to follow people pretty liberally on there. On Facebook, you know, first thing I'm doing, if I don't know who they are, is what friends do we have in common? Yeah. And if it's all podcast people, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think because I just got back on Facebook recently, I haven't really had that wave yet. And I'm really hoping it doesn't hit. Yeah. It, it, well, there's no way to avoid it. Uh, oh, that's not something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> oh, well, the groups are worth it. Because I went back on for like a month was a little bored and I tried to get off, but there's a couple of groups that I'm in that I really, 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 really like, and I miss those. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to figure this out. And then I learned that you don't have to actually see the timeline. You don't have to see everybody that you're connected to's timeline. That has changed a lot since I was on it 10, 12 years ago. So that was, that was a nice thing to be able to have more control over what I see when I open up the page and stuff. So, cause if I see something, I will click it. If I see a red light, if I see a notification, I will be distracted. <laughs> that is something that has not gotten better with age. So I know that I have to turn off the temptation to be distracted by things I don't even want to see people. I don't necessarily need to be talking to or conversations I don't need to be in. I, I, yeah, I have absolutely no self-restraint when it comes to communication. So when was the last time you actually took a break from your online existence? I don't know that I have. I'll take breaks in different platforms. I'll take breaks daily where I'll turn my phone off for a long time or I'll have it in a different room or that kind of thing. But I don't generally I don't generally take huge breaks. I've never done like I know some people do like no cell phone weekend or go on vacation for a week or two and are completely offline. And I don't really do any of that. Um, but I also, when I started doing the virtual expat show, I started really looking, talking to people about their online habits uh, and how they changed or didn't change or just what they do online. I started to really think about mine. And so you know how podcasts are healing and 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 really make you think. And so I started to 
turn off all of my notifications. And so basically now on my phone, I have to go look for things as opposed to things distracting me. So it's really, really easy to not even pick up my phone or find it in my bag for hours on end. So for me, that feels really good. It feels like it's my choice to see what's happened. And I do. I still do spend a ridiculous amount of time checking to see what's happened, especially the day of a, of a podcast post or when something happens that I'm like, is anybody reacting yet? Um, but in general, I don't do long breaks. Do you do any of those? I mean, I didn't put out an episode this week, so I'm, I haven't posted anything on Twitter like all week long mm-hmm. until right before we started. And that was more of a personal thing than a show thing anyway. But I also have people who will completely freak out <laughs> if I don't get back to them about things. And I mean, a lot of it is legitimate wow. stuff. Yeah. So um, I, I can't really turn off notifications. We'll freak out. Okay, I've got to ask, like, fans or friends or? What? Friends and family mostly and people uh, I work with. Yeah. Is most of your social media stuff connected to the podcast or is it a mix of friends and podcast? Well, on Twitter for me, it's it's technically the show account and that's all I have yeah. because the personal account is – I tried to have both and it was just a lot of the – rid of the personal account and rolled with the show one. Um, like on Facebook, I pr- pretty much do everything under, unless I'm doing like an official page mm-hmm. thing. Instagram, I need to be better at anyway. I pretty much just use buffer and let that thing run its course. Uh, yeah. I just bought social B cause it was on sale for like a lifelong membership and it was highly, highly recommended. Um, $49 forever and ever, as long as it exists, but I haven't even logged in yet. I need to get automated because my, for my social media posts, what happens with me is I'll go through as I seriously, what is it? Social media, manic depressive. I'll go through days when I think of 20 different things that I want to put into the world. And then I'll go through like two or three, four days where I could give a shit and I don't want to post anything. And so my theory is if I had a met, well, I do have a social media manager now, but I haven't actually started using it yet. But if I can take those 20 and just space it out, as opposed to doing them on that one day, (laughs) um, then it can look like I am a consistent human being. (laughs) I'm still very new to the marketing side of all of this. I And by new, I mean I ignored it for a very long time because I just wanted to have the conversations. But the downloads picked up and I'm trying to move away from my current job and all kinds of things. I'm trying to get more organized and get some, what are they called, skills? So I can actually move into a marketing position in my next country. So I'm, What kind of things do you wish you could do online or wish you could do online a lot more efficiently now? Does it count if I say I want to travel? via online technology versus being on an airplane for hours on end. I want to transport myself via this stuff. (laughs) As long as you're actually getting there, I'd say that's good. If you're just like looking at people's pictures or videos, then I mean, just go to New Zealand. We know that's what you're trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, it is. 
<laughs> you saw straight through me. No, seriously, I do. I still love being in different places, but the physical act of going to them is annoying. And just looking at pictures, looking at videos, even if there was scent and feel and all of those sensory things in a video, it still wouldn't be enough for me. There's a certain vibe of a place that I don't think will ever be captured even in VR. So I want to actually be sent to these places with absolutely no effort and no damage. And if that oh, becomes, that's the dream, it is the dream. It is the dream. Yeah. Although I've enjoyed my existence in different countries, I don't think the human body is meant to live in this many places. And <laughs> yeah. So continuing to do this without the physical effects would be without more physical effects would be great. Um, other than that, I like what's happening with with video and audio, and I I want more of that. The um, what is it called? The hologram thingies. I want more of that. I don't necessarily want stuff on a screen. I want stuff away from a screen. I want to keep going further and further away from a computer. So any technology that is more mobile or watch friendly, I am super game for. What about you? No, I mean, just interacting with people in different ways is the main thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, getting better video connections and stuff because right now, oh, I'm sacrificing being able to see people when I record to make sure that I get better audio quality. Being able to, you know, play games with them in an actual, like, user format mm-hmm. with the older stuff especially because that's not really set up too too well right now it's it's a lot of little idiosyncratic ways to make it happen and everybody has to be on the same page and it's kind of weird to get set up yeah but a lot more being able to interact with media with people in real time versus hey let's watch this movie technically together but it's because we're syncing up when we're pressing play uh yeah that is something that's still a bit clunky isn't it I know I tried to do that with Tawny, something she did with one of her group meetup things. And it was a lot of, okay, we're off on the video. Let's pause for a second and let them catch up because her internet was kind of blipping a little bit and ours mm-hmm. wasn't. So just being able, like if they'd been able to show the movie from their end yeah, and have that be it it could have been a smoother experience. It was still really fun. Really glad I did it. Yeah. No, having said that, I'm doing more and more, more than one person interviews and trying to think it get, it gets blippier when it's more than one person. It gets more challenging, not just time zone wise, but video wise and sound wise. And it just, it, it feels like that could be easier and live streaming wise. I would love to do more live streams but the setup that I see people having to do to do a live stream like on YouTube or something is just more effort than I'm willing to put in. I literally, I went, I did a couple of live streams last year where I literally would point one of my phones towards the Zoom screen and just have like, I had like Instagram on one of the phones and then I had, um, what was the other one? I don't think Twitter did a live stream. I don't remember, but there were two different ones that I had and I just had phones pointed at the Zoom screen. And I'm like, this is my version of a live stream. This is the amount of technology I'm willing to invest time into to do this. <laughs> but And it worked and people were commenting. It was just hard to see the comments because I had the phones pointed towards the screen. So I had to kind of quirk my head all kind of crazy weird. So I, I feel like those could be easier. But yeah, I, th- I think there's still a lot of room for 
for improvements on things. But going back to growing up without most of this technology, honestly, I don't know what I would have what I would be like today if I grew up with this much tech, because I'm still a pretty big bookworm. And I wonder if I would have fallen into books or if I would have just been a webhead my whole life. Like I feel like I might have missed out on the power of my own imagination with words. My name is Sean and I am the host of a podcast called Expat Life Germany. And as the title very, very cleverly suggests, it's about expats living in Germany. So if you want to hear stories about expat life or Let's say you're interested in Germany as a country and what life might be like here, especially for outsiders, then this podcast is something that you can listen to. Or if you just want to listen to people's stories, how they came to a country, what they do for a living. It's uh, I, I've had some great guests. I had someone who gave, gave a TEDx talk. I had two writers who'd written a book. In the future, I'm going to be having podcast hosts on the show. I am going to be talking to a novelist who's about to re release a fantasy book. Just all kinds of people. You'll be surprised what kind of people are living in this country. So check out the podcast, Expat Life Germany, on any podcast app that you listen to it on. Or you could visit expatlifegermany.de. If you like the kind of thing that you're hearing on the Geopets podcast, then you may be interested in what's on Expat Life Germany. Until then, Auf Wiederhören. Hey, my name's Paul, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal. But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not that animal would make a tasty dish, and how intelligent we think it is on the scale of 1 to 10. It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries. Except with more poo jokes. New episodes go live every Thursday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can visit us at blazingcariboustudios.com. <laughs> Varmints! Varmints! <laughs> Question for you. Okay. Have you been to China? I have not. Okay. Part of what I don't know how to gauge is when I'm talking to other expats that are in China and we know what we're talking about with some of the things that we do online and, and whatnot, is I don't know what people outside of here, I get kind of, I feel like I've gotten a little bit out of touch on what people know and don't know about what's going on. I know people know the firewall, but beyond that, what, what is known? What do you know about the internet in China? I knew that WeChat existed. Um, Kaylee had to use that for when she tried to do some uh, tutoring yeah. kids in China. Um, I know that there is a lot of China spe specific versions of things that we have. Mm -hmm. Most of them, I cannot remember the name of it all, but I know they exist. Yeah. And I know that Google doesn't go in there. Yeah. Like it's at funny. all. It, it's funny because they do have a research lab in Shanghai, but they're very much so blocked by the firewall. I say staring at my Gmail inbox. <laughs> I know. It surprises me because they've obviously got the tech to be able to filter out whatever oh, yeah. the people in China don't want other people in China to see. I'm trying to use safe words here just in case. And 
Well, that's a lot of it too, is necessarily what can people inside China actually talk about without worrying about mm-hmm. who sees it. There's a couple of different things, even on WeChat, that you veer away from because it's easily bottable, right? It's easily, if you're typing a message, it's very easy for it to be scanned and flagged and for you to be talked to. So that does happen, but it's not as terrifying as it may sound. It is it is more of a it is more of a gentle reminder if you talk about anything like that. But the main thing is to not collectively do it in public. Um so even even during some of our like podcast brunch club meetings they'll it's a it's a nice mix of locals and foreigners and some of the some of the themes that we have especially the china one from a couple of months ago where they were talking about politics in china people would talk about that we're sitting in a cafe in shanghai and there and locals and foreigners were talking about different the different podcast episodes and different politics and different things and as long as you're not like actively trying to do something politically or actively vocalizing your criticisms of the current regime, um, then it's fine. It's mostly collectivism, like public displays of discontent generally. Um, So online, what happens, which is really quite interesting, is that there's a lot of there's a constant revolving door of terms that people use so they don't get tagged by the bots. And we were teaching in Nanjing like 10 years ago for the history buffs that's formerly known as Nanking. And we were teaching kids who just graduated high school. They were about to go to university overseas and they were getting their English up to par. So we were teaching them and they were such a fun group of kids because they had no filter and they actually were telling us some of the words they were using for words that the that the censors would catch. And so we were like, whoa, what? And that's when the word alpaca became very popular. Now it's like 10 years later and they've moved on to 700 other words. But within the, from what I understand, um, I still don't have the level of Chinese to verify this hands-on on social media in Chinese. But from what I understand, there's a constantly revolving door of lexicon that they use to say one thing when they mean another, so it's not picked up on. And as soon as the censors get wind of what that means, then it changes, it changes, it changes. So there's there's an interesting workaround as far as talking about stuff online. See, that's really cool because from over here, most of what I'm seeing is if you mention like this one historical event, then you're instantly going to get thrown in jail and never seen again. Um, the thing is, there are a few sensitive spots like that, but everybody knows it. And you wouldn't mention that event because you knew if you did, you would be talked to. I don't know about throwing in jail or, or getting thrown in jail or not, but you would definitely be, be talked to and question mark. But because it's so transparent what the ramifications would be, people don't. They use those code words or whatever you want to call them. and um, Or they don't do it in a way that's viewable online. 
Or there's voice messages on WeChat. A lot of times when we have to talk about sensitive stuff, we'll use a voice message because the AI for that isn't as advanced as the bots for the text. <laughs> so how much Chinese do you actually use in your online life? Oh, gosh, almost zero. I order food in Chinese. I can read some stuff in books and websites. But internet terminology is because of the workaround words and those kinds of things and slang and all of that is like level 20. You have to be very fluent in the language and then become mentally flexible to figure out that like a daisy might mean this certain member of a political party or that this, you know, this, um, <laughs> this person, you know, the different nicknames and the different things and different it's it's very slangy and it's very code wordy and it's very very challenging. So I can't really communicate on social media in Chinese. I would love to because I really like wordplay and I'd love to start decoding that kind of stuff, but it's um it's a long long road. So very little. So mostly right now I'm just uh like I said ordering food and occasionally on WeChat I'll try to practice a little bit with some of my local friends and I'll, I can type in Chinese because you can do like opinion input where you're typing in the romanization letters and then you pick the character. So I can do that. That's pretty easy, but that's it. I don't do a lot online in Chinese yet. That's a good word because part of me is disappointed that you don't do more. Yeah. The other part of me has seen how ridiculous Chinese can get. It's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. But um, but it's also really cool. Like the first time I could read two sentences, granted it was in a textbook, it was very graded language, very simple language. But the first time I could read two sentences without stopping to look something up, I literally cried. I was like, oh my God, look at this hieroglyphic stuff. I just did that. I know what this means. I can say it out loud. Granted, my tones are totally shit, but I, I could do that. I was like, Yay! <laughs> it felt like a huge triumph. So what would you say is home for you? Bah! Refer to Kate's Ignorance Was Bliss episode. <laughs> Next question. There, I'm sure there will be a link down in the show notes. There will be. Yeah, I'll put that. So assuming that your home is the place that you have invented in your head where everybody that you're friends with lives together, how do you manage to keep in touch with all of them? I don't. I'm horrible. And the more places that people are online, the more frustrated I get that there isn't one central place. Yeah, because there's, there's people that I knew and adored pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-email that I can't find online. And to be quite honest with you, because it's so long ago, I've kind of forgotten them, even though when random moments happen and I think of them, I go, oh my gosh, I should find them. And then I forget to do that. So there's there's people from different pockets of technology evolution that I've lost online. And um, yeah, and and with the algorithms on social media, I feel like even people that I intentionally follow and want to hear from, I feel like they got lost in the mix too. So I... I feel like there's probably some organization in there that could happen, maybe. But I don't I don't feel like I keep in contact with everyone I want to keep in contact with. No, I mean having all the different platforms definitely makes that keep up with. Really, really hard. Yeah. 
I know one of the things I like about having a bunch of podcaster friends now is they're staying on Facebook and Twitter because that's where people are. The one podcast on the social media network that's going to start up in three weeks. You don't want to be the one podcaster that's on the new social media platform because there's no nobody there. No reason yeah. for you to be there. There's nobody to to hear you tell about it. Yeah, yeah. Do you on your social media? Do you like? L- put people into like the lists of like podcasting people like podcasting fans or listeners or what have you and then friends and then family and that like do you categorize people out and then go into those pockets to check what people are doing i have not done any of it on facebook i've done a little bit of it on twitter but Mm -hmm. on twitter it's been more of like these people have science related things so if i just feel like i need to tag a science person i have that list and it's more things like that. So I don't have to look through a giant list of everybody that I follow. Yeah. I was, I was so paranoid pre at the beginning of the internet when I, when it was only basically Gmail and blogs and websites, I used to save, this is slightly embarrassing. I used to save my, I was on Yahoo. I used to save my Yahoo address book like every month. And so I actually still have, all of my CSV files from then. And because I didn't want to, like if anything happened with my email, I wanted to be able to email these people anyway. So I've like 2000, one of my goals for 2019 was to combine all of these files, get rid of the duplicates and contact people and see if they still had these email addresses. Um, but there's so many of them because it's like every month for years I did this because I didn't want to lose people's email addresses. And the funny thing is that the address book is still there. <laughs> like I still have Yahoo, even though I don't use it. So I could just use that. That sounds like an interesting podcast waiting to happen. <laughs> what happened when I went into my old CSV files? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any conflicting... Oh, I don't know. Any weird habits with contacts your online contacts not really um i mean it's gotten to the point where i just assume that somebody's going to have their phone on silent if they're asleep or something yeah and i don't worry about time zones because otherwise like i'm waking up heather at four in the morning right (laughs) or a stupid picture of something I mean, I know you're the same way I am. We just know too many people across too many time zones. So even if you you can keep track of where it is, you're never going to have the perfect time to send them something. I have forever wanted an address book, an online address book that's geographically based where I can go into a country and look at how many people I know that are there and like click on it and get like their socials, their email, what have you. Like I want a globe, a digital globe. That would address be pretty book, sweet. Right? Because there that are times when I'm like, okay, we're going to go on vacation to this place. Wait, who has moved there recently? Who lives there? I forget. Like, I don't remember. I remember people, but I don't always remember because where I, they live. Do, do, do. This is the part where Stephanie remembers that she saw me looking at my phone while I was talking. <laughs> And she started to get mad until I showed her what it was. I would never do that. No, that's mostly just a note so that it isn't, oh, I don't want to talk to you right now. Go away. 
So, like, I have this. Is that Time Buddy? No, this one's called Globe, but okay. it's probably pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to go in and rename cities with people's names. Oh, I see. I don't know if I have that function on Time Buddy. Speaking of Heather, she turned me on to this thing. Ooh, what's that one? It's Time Buddy. And it you you can pick the out. places. And I think for the free version, you get only so many. So I paid the the very small amount and, and got more locations. Because some people I need to know for one conversation and some people I just always want to know what time it is. And I don't remember how far ahead or behind people are, except for New York is now embedded in my head because there's way too many podcasters on the East Coast. Yep. Uh, oh, present present company. <laughs> are you on the East Coast? I am. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So there's there's a lot of y'all. Is it the winters? Like, what's going on there? Um, it's summer. It got all the today. Was like today. It actually cooled off. It only got up to like twenty seven, twenty eight. It was going. I mean, it's been like between 30 and 35 for the past few weeks pretty consistently oh yeah 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 us too us too no but i mean are there so many podcasters because the winters are so crap that you're inside with your mics oh i mean I, i'm just being smart it doesn't snow in charleston i've heard really good it, it probably is i don't know it's probably just a lot of people coming over here because media is traditionally on the coast that's a really really good point yeah yeah. See, it's only 29 degrees right now. Wait, you did use Celsius right there. Yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> I was like, wait, there's no conversion. But it's going to get up to 37 today, but 98% humidity. Ouch. Oh, like, I guess- the only people I really talk to about temperature stuff use Celsius, so I'm just making myself learn it. That's really good. I I can do... Celsius in certain ranges, like very, very hot and very cold, I can do Celsius. And somewhere in the middle, like around 70 Fahrenheit, I have to talk in Fahrenheit because I I haven't lived in anywhere that uses Celsius in those temperatures. It's a very strange existence. (laughs) We have a slightly related question. Um, This one does have a correct answer. What do you think of time zones? Hate them. Living in a giant country that has one has reinforced for me that time zones suck. I appreciate the fact that daytime has has sunlight where I live. It do, it wouldn't if it wouldn't necessarily if I lived out in the western part of China, but it does. And um, but it just oh my god, time zones kill me. That is the correct answer. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. And how weird is it living in a place that wide that is all at the same time? It's it's weird to think about, but in practicality, I honestly how do I explain this? I live in Shanghai and I talk to some people in Beijing, but generally speaking, I'm either in Shanghai, Beijing, mentally, virtually, or I'm in different countries. I don't usually talk to many people that are in the other parts of China. So it doesn't technically affect me, although I would love to. There's a really good, um, there's a really interesting YouTuber. I think he has a podcast now. And he's out in Xinjiang, which is as far out as you can go um, in the Western part. And, and he does a lot of really, really 
amazing videos and food videos and nature videos and all that kind of stuff out there. But I don't have contact with anybody that's out there because it's so far away and it's such a trek to get out there. Far West China, that's the name of his YouTube channel. It's really Everybody cool. go look that up. Go Steph, put up. a link in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you for making me work on my own pop, my own episode. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm being the interviewer person who doesn't have to edit. This is a very nice change. Yeah, 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 it would be. <laughs> I mean, just to kind of close things out, because I'm sure the people are tired of hearing from you and they're just ready for the next guest. Oh, thanks, dude. Is there anything... <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I mean, just to, just to close things out because, you know, eventually everything has to stop. Oh, wait, just so I can see the reaction. Do you use local dating apps? I'm married. <laughs> no, I do not. But there was a podcast brunch club where dating apps came up as part of the conversation. So I did get to hear about local dating apps and there are equivalents to what is the swipey one is that tinder yes yeah so there are local equivalents to those they tend to get shut down kind of quickly and then they reemerge in a different name and those kinds of things but that definitely does exist here the splinternet is almost identical it's <laughs> the lesson here hey steph's husband i really did just ask so i could see the reaction <laughs> you're gonna have to do better than that to shock me though because there's so much online that probably is shocking. I just don't know much about that. Like on the dark web, I don't even know what's in a lot of those places. Have you ever been to the dark web? I have never been there and I'm okay with that. Because yeah. I've seen the stuff that gets to stay on Reddit and that can get bad enough. Ooh, like? I don't want to go there. I have to go to bed soon. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> So to really close things out, if you know somebody who is thinking about leaving their country, going to live abroad, do you have you know a couple big old tips to really help them get a good transition going? If we're talking about virtually speaking, I would say get in contact with people living there already, probably expats, and use the expat community to adjust to that place to get information from people that are on the ground already. There's a lot of people in expat bubbles and expat bubbles get really, really bad raps. But honestly, you, you need somebody with the same kind of lens sometimes, not all the time, not to isolate, but there are things that as people not from certain cultures and you're moving into it, you need people that understand where you're coming from and you need people who are going through the same experiences and you need tips on apartments and and jobs and things like that that you can't get from a local who goes through a completely different system and grows up with it so get in contact with groups and then with like expat groups in the area you're thinking of going to and then turn those into individual conversations ask questions and expect that everything that you learn is probably wrong by the time you get there but you will have made connections uh, and and that's the important thing. And then meet up with those people in person and uh, and then do the reverse once you're settled in and offer that support to other people. But mostly use the expat bubble as as a bridge into less culture shock. And finally, if you know anybody who has a wife who refuses to move to New Zealand because she thinks that seeing cool birds is not a good enough reason to uproot your entire life, <laughs> how do you think you could get them to convince their wife to go? This feels like a very 
very specific question, Chris. <laughs> I it might say, be. I would say take tell Kaylee. I'm sorry. I would say tell you tell that I would tell the person to tell their wife to ask their wife, huh, to try it out for a year or two because the first year always sucks no matter how great the place is. So to try it out for a couple of years, and if it doesn't work, you'll come right back. Also, there's lots of sheep. Is that a selling point? It is for her. Okay. And yeah. also there's lots of sheep. Yeah. And oh my God, the scenery. Oh my God. The nature and yeah, the people, the food, the the only negative thing is how far it is from everything else. That might not be a negative. It depends on who you are. <laughs> that is very true. <sighs> Why New Zealand? I don't know. It just looks really cool. It does. And their government seems to have their shit together. Right. Yeah. That would yeah. be a very nice change. Do you know what I heard recently? Um, they did, instead of just uh, like a quality, like people do, do these quality of life surveys and things. And, um, and a lot of countries just use like the unemployment rate, thinking that that is a full picture of people's employment and, and mm-hmm. economic stability. And New Zealand actually has like this 20 point uh, system. Or something. I'm getting this slightly wrong, but I'll put, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. I think, um, but they have the, like this twenty or so point thing where they take into a lot of different factors, not just are you employed, but like different things, uh, the cost of living, healthcare, education, like all these different factors that make an impact on your life, and they put all of those together. And then they figure out how they're doing and they make adjustments according to that. So it's um, according to the podcast that I heard on this, they're like, they have the most specific and well-rounded view on that government policies and what they're doing and how people's quality of life is and that kind of thing, because it's such a, a, a big sample set of factors. So yeah, it does sound like they have their shit together big time. So good choice. I just really want to go even more. You want to what? Plus they have dinosaurs. Now I want to go even more. Plus they have dinosaurs. Dinosaur. Have you Fossil? seen those birds? No. Oh. They're, they're fucking dinosaurs. Can I say that? <laughs> well, there you go. They're not the, the ones that are uh, dangerous to humans kind of dinosaurs, are they? No, because those are in Australia. They're called cassowaries. Oh, dear God. Australia has everything scary on Earth, apparently. Yep. Yeah. How many poisonous things do you have? Yes. All of them. <laughs> All of them. Right here. <laughs> Just don't leave the city. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So if I were to assess my own thing of what changed, dun, 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 what changed online when I moved overseas, probably the biggest thing is I went from travel to living, from travel to making connections to to making deeper connections with people in IRL in real life. I was heavily onto the how many people, how many places, those kinds of like travel forums and things and just learning as much as I could and meeting as many people as I could. And I could I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the individuals I was talking to before moving overseas. And I've definitely slowed down and paid atten- more attention to the individuals that I am talking to and doing deeper things online <laughs> or something like that. Except for my silly pictures of coffee, which apparently are much more prevalent than I realized. (laughs) 
I mean, everybody needs coffee. Oh my God. Coffee pictures are the best. <laughs> you say as you're drinking water, but you're about to go to sleep, right? Right. Yeah. So thank you, Chris, for this. And thank you for staying up 14 hours. Uh, I don't know what it no. is from 4.30 now. Um, so let's call it 9.30 gets me to 21. Oh. So that's like 17. That's a long time. It's a it's a long day. Yeah, you need some sleep. <laughs> I do. So yeah, so thank you, and everybody You're welcome. Check the show notes. Chris, tell them again where they can find you. You can find me over at playcomics.com or on Twitter at playcomicscast. Yay! Yeah, and all the stuff we talked about will be in the show notes, and um, that's it. If there is a man to be, strum a chord and sing to me That there will be another time, a time for you and I With candles, books and wine carafes, albums filled with photographs And rooms that echo tuneful laughs, I'm so happy I could die I could die, I could die, someday I won't have to try until I do, I think of you I'm so happy I can die Days of trains and coffee spoons Nights under exotic moons Lazy morning hotel rooms Well, a time for you and I And empty bottles of champagne Pearls upon a window pane A cocktail dress, a necklace chain I'm so happy I could die I could die, I could die One day I won't have to try Until I do, I think of you I'm so happy I could die And through half-deserted streets And half-hearted retreats Will I manage my defeats For a moment For a moment I think of you home to build a life and more with trips made to the hardware store and dances on the kitchen floor well a time for you and i working minds and broken hearts collaborate the greatest arts and thunder through the empty parts but still i wonder why wonder why i wonder why i wonder why we have to Until I do, I'll think of you I'm so happy I could die I could die, I could die One day I won't have to try Until I do, I'll think of you A star to light the sky Until I do, I'll think of you A light to grace my eye Until I do, I'll think of you I'm so happy I could die